it really is, uh, it really is an honor for me to get to be here with you guys. Um, I, 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 if you've been around, you've probably heard me say it before. Um, I mean, I love getting to be a part of MZBC students, particularly because um, there's just something about you that's, that's honest and, 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 and transparent, and uh, I never feel like you're faking anything. And I love that about you. I love that when I, when I watch you worship, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it, if it's real, I'm seeing if it's not. I love the transparency about our, our you. I love your transparency. Uh, and I love getting to see the genuine joy um, that you have over your, uh, those of you who have a relationship with Christ, the, the joy you have over uh, Jesus. I'm excited to see that grow and grow um, throughout this weekend. I'm praying that God... Um, uh, unites all of us in this commonality of uh, this joy of our faith, this joy of our salvation. Um, our, our theme for this weekend is all forward. So uh, how many of you, just to show of hands, how many of you have been rafting before? All right, okay, cool. Now put your hands down. Now, if you have never been rafting before in your entire life, why don't you raise your hand? Don't be shy. All right, so Hadsies. All right, so look around at those people with their hands up and don't put them in your boat because they don't know what they're doing. Nope, not just, not, put your hands down. All right, so we'll just we'll have a little primer here, all right? So those of you who have never been rafting before, um, when you go rafting tomorrow, if you're going rafting, um, there's, a, there's like a little some practice stuff that you and your raft guide will do at the beginning, and, and they'll kind of walk you through some commands so that you don't flip your boat, hopefully, or maybe, I don't know. I don't like, basically, we just want to get you down the river, okay? And so they're going to give you some commands, and so it's like, left forward, right back, or all stop, or all back. And then there's this one that you're gonna hear most of the time is all forward. And what that means when your guide in the back of your boat, the guy, the hippie guy with like the, you know, ponytail says all forward, that means everybody in your boat is gonna get that little paddle and you're gonna be like, it's go time. And everybody's gonna swing out over the side of that boat and start digging in hard and pulling with everything they've got, propelling that forward. Now, what usually happens is that all the big, the big old house boys, like, they get in the same boat. And so the God says, all four, and they're like, <laughs> and he's like, stop, 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 stop. We're on the beach. Like, we're on the, we're on the shore now. And then, like, the ninth grade girls are here, and they're, all of them are in their boat. And he's like, all four, and they're like, he's like, seriously, paddle, please. <laughs> There's a rock. You know, and that's, but what, that's, what that means is that, and the guy says all forward that all of us dig in with everything we've got to propel the thing forward. That's our theme for the weekend, that we want to see uh, MZBC students, we want to see us collectively, believers here, as, as a one group unified in a decision that we're going to give it everything we've got. We're going to dig in hard and pull. You know, the unique thing about rafting is that if your God says all forward and there's that one like kid that always spaces out. You're spaced out right now. You don't know what I'm talking about. Like, where am I? You know, that kid, all right? You know who it is, too. Don't call her. Don't point at him. Like, that kid that always spaces out is not going to be listening because there's going to be some pretty leaves or something that they notice on the, on the side of the river. And it's the uh, commands all forward. They're like, what? And they're going to start paddling backwards or sideways or just like, you have no idea what they're going to do. And what that means is when that happens, that one rogue, like, rando off on the left side of the boat is doing the wrong thing. That means the rest of the boat, the rest of you in the boat suffer because one person's paddling backwards, everybody else is trying to go forwards. This weekend, we want to get to a point where we're all, we're all digging in, that we're, we're all in and in this relationship with Jesus, and we're pulling with everything we've got. This weekend, our, my, my, my hope, my challenge to you 
is to collectively, for us, to be all for it. You know, um, for us to do that, for us to achieve that, to us to, to be all for it all together, what, what that, that has to have a starting point. And the starting point for this, if, if all of us are going to be moving forward in our relationship with Jesus, the starting point for that begins with you. And it may sound like what that means is for you to commit to start digging in hard and pulling it, pulling it away. That's not. That's not where it starts. If we're going to be a people who are all for it in our relationship with Christ, it starts with you. But it doesn't start with what you do. It starts with who you are. It starts with a condition of your heart. Do you know the condition of your heart tonight? Have you thought about it? Have you, let me ask you this. Have you ever had to do something, but, but your heart really wasn't fully in it? Like school every day? Like where you have to go, you have to do this thing, but your heart's not really in it. How many of you have ever played or done anything where you have to go to practices over and over and over again? All right, almost all of us. We've all had to go to these practices, all right? Now, I don't know about you, but what, happens, what happened with me when I was a high school student, that I would, I would go to, I was a swimmer, I was a competitive swimmer, it was, you know, great, whatever. Um, and so uh, I got beat by Michael Phelps, it's my claim to fame. It was, I literally did, he destroyed me. But, so, <laughs> it wasn't pretty. But so we, we, we would go to these practices, and it was just day in, day out, you're going to these practices. And sometimes it's great, and you're really excited about whatever your thing is, like jujitsu or whatever, you're pumped about jujitsu practice, and you're, man, you're ready to go. You go jujitsu some people. But then other days, other days you're supposed to go to practice and your heart's just not in it that day, right? You've had days like this? Where some days, you're, some days your heart's in it, some days your heart's not. And you just, you're not feeling it. And so you show up and nothing inside, no, nothing in your heart wants to go inside the building and do the thing. I got to a point like this when I was, when I was a swimmer. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I hope it doesn't happen again. All right? <laughs> yeah, all right, anyway, I got to this point as a high school student, at this point as a high school student, um, I was doing the, the competitive swimming thing, we, they made me do two-a-days, I had to do two-a-days, so I was, I was swimming like four hours a day plus an hour of weights, I was working out like five hours a day, and I got burned out, just got burned out, and so I got to a point where my parents wanted me to, you know, I was still supposed to go to practice, what I started doing is I would, I would drive all the way across town, Drive myself there. I'd get to the parking lot. I'd park the car in the parking lot. I'm there. And then I'd sit there in my car and like, I, I don't think I can do this. I don't want to do this. And I'd look around, and my mom wasn't in the car. So you know what I did? I crawled in the back, sleep, back seat and went to sleep. Like three or four days a week. It was awesome. Got a solid nap in. Drove my parents my parents like a SUV for a while, just laid the seats down and just like sprawled it out. Not even a backseat nap, like a whole car nap, like where you put your feet up on the console in the middle and just, just you know, get after it, man. And I think well, the, the sad thing about that is that I think that sometimes in our relationship with Jesus, those of you who are, who are Christians, that you've, maybe you get to a point in your faith where your heart's not really in it anymore. That if you were going to be honest about the condition of your heart before Jesus, your heart's not in it. And so what happens is that you drive yourself to the spot, you park the car, but then spiritually, like in your heart, like you're just asleep. 
Maybe you're showing up, you're there, but your heart's not in it and you're not engaged. So that's why when you come to worship services like this, sometimes you come to Greenhouse or a Sunday morning service and you get there, you physically are present, but you're so checked out because your heart isn't in it. You go to your small groups and, and like you like hanging out with people and you have a great time when everybody's around, but then when it gets to the part where it has some eternal significance about anything, you check out because your heart's not in it. This weekend, if we're going to be a people who is all for it, we're going, we're just, we're digging hard together in our relationship with Jesus. We've got to be a people who have our heart in it. You know, God, God knows your heart. Did you know that? That, that even if you haven't been thinking about the condition of your heart before the Lord or what's been going on in your heart, you don't think about your heart, okay? Like, God knows your heart anyway. It doesn't, doesn't require you to know your heart. God knows your heart better than you do. That's what it says, like in, in Luke 16, 15, it just says that God knows your heart. He already knows it. Like in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, it says that, that it's God who tests our hearts. That God is evaluating the condition of your heart. He knows how your heart came in here tonight better than you do. And then Hebrews 4, 12 points to the word, the, the written word, and it says this, that, that the word of God it's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of your heart. God knows your heart. He knows if your heart's all in it, all for him, is it if your heart's even given over to Jesus, if you have a, a devoted heart to the Lord, he knows that. And he knows when you don't. He doesn't love you any less when you don't, but I'm just saying he, he, he knows. But that's not the, that's not the main point. The, the point is I, I don't know if you know the condition of your heart. I know a lot of times I just make it through my day. I'm just trying to get through the next day. I'm not, I'm not taking stock. I'm not evaluating. I'm not, I'm not thinking introspectively about who I am and the condition of my heart before the Lord. But God knows my heart. And so at some point, I have to align my understanding of my heart and, my, and be honest about the condition of it and agree with God about the condition of my heart. So my, my, my hope for you tonight is that as we jump into the word, that my hope for you tonight is that you come face to face with the reality of the condition of your heart. I want you to come face to face tonight with the reality of the condition of your heart before God. I want you to walk out here knowing the condition of your heart because eternity hangs on it. Eternity hangs on the condition of your heart. The God who built you, made you, brought you here, that the God of the universe, he wants your heart, all of it. That God, God, God wants all of your heart. Not a piece of it, not a little bit, not some sections. Wants all of it. Wants, wants a heart fully devoted to him. But for many of us, maybe most of us, we never really get to a point where we make it to all. We never really get to a point where we make it to all. Maybe then we get to a point where we give God some pieces of who we are, some pieces of our heart, and there's a little bit of, a little bit of effort there. But, it, but all? Was that like all your heart? Scripture's clear that anything less than all of your heart isn't enough. Anything less than all your heart isn't enough. In Jeremiah chapter 29, 
verse 13, there's this beautiful promise here. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's, it says that you, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me you will, and find me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Not a little bit of your heart. It doesn't say you'll seek me and find me when you put a little bit of effort once a week. It doesn't say you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with the leftovers of your energy at the end of the day. It doesn't say you'll seek me and find me with you, when you bring anything less than all of your heart to the table. Heart all in. I think the entire world is seeking after God. Even if in their seeking it looks like they're trying to discredit or disprove, what they're trying to seek is if this is real. It's still a seeking about, about trying to discern, trying to come to a point where you know that this God is there or he's not. The entire world wants to know whether he is there. And he says, look, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. How do I find him? How do I know you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart? It's a powerful promise. Is there something in you that wants to seek and find God this weekend? Maybe, maybe in a new and deeper way. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. Maybe you've been a Christian for 10 years. I don't know. But maybe there's some, maybe some stuff in, in your life, in your heart. I mean, you came this weekend, you're saying, I want to seek and find God in a new and deeper way. This hasn't been walking, I haven't been walking with the Lord the way I want. I want to seek and I want to find him. He says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You want to do that this weekend. Maybe you came in and life's just been a mess. And God just seems like this distant memory. Maybe you came in this weekend and you're not sure this God is really there. Maybe you're hopeful about that, but you're not convinced of it. And you're hoping, you're hoping that in some experience like this, you'll be able to know that he's there or not. He says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I remember one time Jessica and I were at this like church leader conference, school kind of thing. I don't really remember what it was about. It's been really exciting. Um, and so Jessica and I were there together, and uh, it was around, it was, it was around round tables, those plastic, like, tables, eight people sitting around it, you know, and, and it was, it was, kind, of a, it was a, kind of a wide room, and there was a guy on the stage, and he was teaching us how to do something. I don't remember what it was. And it was, it was like three days long, and we didn't know any of these people. And so Jessica and I were sitting at this table, and, and we ended up, I like to sit in the back. Like, you people across the back, like, that's where I want to be. Actually, I like sitting against the wall, okay? But that's, anyway, so Jessica's not like that. Hey, wall people, um, they're waving at me. Stop distracting me. Knock it off. All right, so, but, for, but like, for me, that's, that's where I want to be. My wife's an extrovert, and she, like, she wants to sit in the front row. She's with you, like, she's with y'all. She's like, I'm, I'm going to be up close and personal right there in the action, halfway back, I might as well just leave the room, okay? So I just conceded to my wife. So we're sitting like front and center at this table, surrounded by all these like important churchy people that I don't know who they are, but I don't, I, I don't like being embarrassed. So I'm just trying to like play it cool. Like I just know what I'm doing. And so we're in this big thing. And all of a sudden, uh, Jessica is, is sitting next to me and she just freezes, just freezes. And it starts like shuffling papers like a crazy person. Like all over the, like moving everything and picking stuff up and just, 
kind of flipping out. And this is this perfectly quiet room. There's a guy and he's like, you should do some stuff, right? And then Jessica's over here banging on tables and moving everything around. Then, and I'm just watching her like, I don't, I don't know her, y'all. Like, and then all, then all of a sudden, she climbs under the table. There's like a room full of like important, like there's a room full of like pastors and stuff. And I'm like the, the, the student minister in here. Like I'm like the, like the not a big shot. And there's a bunch of big shots. And now my wife's under the table. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what she's doing. Uh, and she's, she's on the table like, like frantically like looking around all over the ground, like moving chairs around and the table's, you know, jerking and people are kind of like, what is she doing? She comes back up from the table. Like she finally, she reappears back on the surface of the table. And, and, and she's got something in her hand and she just looks so relieved. Like, like we lost a kid under the table or something, and we finally found him in a hole or something. We've got him back now. And she looks like that kind of relief. She's like, got like, so she's like sweat on her forehead. She's like freaking out. I'm like, hey, woman, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, you're, you're good? You can take a bathroom break? What's, you know, what's, what's going on? And she says, she says, I can't, I can't believe what just happened. She said, I was, I was sitting here, and I was, I, was, I was looking, you know, trying to pay attention or whatever. She said, I glanced down at my wedding ring. She glanced at her wedding ring. She said, I glanced down at my wedding ring, and, and the main, like the, the main diamond, like the, like the one that cost all the money, wasn't there no more. No diamond. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm like, what are we doing? I'm like, I'm going to climb under the table now. But she said, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. I remember a few minutes ago, something fell on my leg, and I, I, you know, I brushed it off. I was like a piece of a muffin or something, right? You know, brushed it off her leg, and then when I looked down, I just was hoping that that, that piece of muffin was actually a diamond. And it was, and she like pulled it back up. She's like, here it is, you know? I'm like, oh my goodness, you're having, you know, we gotta like, get a safe or something. I don't know what you do with diamonds, you know? And, and so she's like, uh, but, but in that moment, there's this thing of value, and it makes sense. In that, val- in that moment, if you had a diamond that, you know, rolls across the floor through here, you're not going to wait for somebody else to help you find it. You're going to go find it, right? Oh, I'll help you look. Like, I mean, if it's of that kind of value, you're going to search. You're going to search with all your heart, and you're not going to worry about how embarrassing it might be in that moment. She was not concerned with my embarrassment level around a bunch of pastors. She didn't care because she was going to seek, and she was going to find because she was going to seek with all her heart. And she did. God wants all your heart because if God is of the, the appropriate value in your, in, in your mind, then, then he's worth seeking with all your heart. If God is, the, is the, most, the most good, most preeminent thing that you could search after, that you could spend your life for, then it makes sense to abandon everything else in search of him. He says, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Have you been seeking God with all your heart? Probably not, right? We'll just be honest. That's pretty easy. That's pretty easy question to answer, right? Have you been seeking God with all your heart? No. Our hearts are rarely devoted. More often, our hearts are distracted. More more often, our, our hearts are sinful. More often, our hearts are, are distant. Does that sound more like your heart? Because on the one hand, God calls us to have these hearts that are devoted, but in reality, normally, it's, it's, it's distracted, it's sinful, it's distant, it's a mess. And he says, you sleep me and you find me with all your heart, but we're not bringing all of our hearts. 
What's the condition of your heart? You know, Matthew uh, 6.21, it gets this idea of a distracted heart. Matthew 6.21, it says this. It says, for where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's pretty simple, right? We can, all, we can all wrap our head around that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do you treasure? Better question is this. What do you treasure most? I think I answer that question in your head. What do you treasure most? Is it your, like, your friend group? That you would do anything to like maintain that? Like they're, they're your core of who you are and like life holds together because you've got this great group of friends. And praise God for that. Do you treasure your friend group? Or maybe, um, maybe you're like your, your sports, like your, whatever your sport thing is and your performance in that. Like I, I want to be the best at my thing and I will do anything in life to, to achieve the level of success I want to achieve. Is it, is, it, is it a sport? Is the person you're dating where, where your world revolves around an individual? And the condition of that one relationship sets a tone for all other things in life. Like life is good when this one thing is good and life is terrible when he or she's mad at you. What do you treasure most? It really doesn't matter if you can come up with something because, if, because here, here's the truth of it. If, you're, if your immediate answer isn't Jesus, then it's just not enough. That means your heart's distracted by something else. If the thing you treasure most, if you ask that question and the answer isn't just immediately my relationship with Jesus, well, then that means there's probably something else that you treasure more than your relationship with Jesus. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if your heart is after anything else other than Jesus, then it means your heart is distracted and you're not bringing your whole heart. So seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Maybe you came in this weekend, your heart's distracted. And I get it. You're teenagers, man. Like, the amount of stuff that's expected of you and thrown at you and asked of you and is crazy. Like, like the, 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 the schedules you people maintain is insane. I get it. There's plenty of things drawing at your heart, trying to distract your heart. But I, I'm not trying to condemn you for that. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about that. I understand. But... If you want to seek and find this God, he says you're going to seek and find when you seek with all your heart. So maybe this weekend, right here at the outset, if you came in and you know your heart's distracted, you know there's a bunch of stuff that, that's, that's kind of that's, that's in the way, that's been more of a priority, that's first before God. Maybe this weekend the first thing you need to do is just say, man, there's some stuff I need to sit down. Even if it's just for this weekend, but maybe beyond that, maybe there's some stuff you need to say, look, I treasure this thing more than Jesus, and I don't think I can keep interacting like, with, with this person or this, this thing with, and still maintain priority with Jesus. It might be a permanent change. No, but if your heart's distracted, you're not going to be able to find God in the same way you could. So what's, what's the condition of your heart? Is your heart distracted? Probably. Second thing is, is sinful is your heart is your heart sinful before the Lord tonight Matthew 15 19 says this that what it talks about what comes out of our heart it says, for out of the heart come things like 
evil thoughts and murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Starts listing the things that come out of our hearts. That's not anybody's heart in, in particular. That's just all of our hearts. All of our hearts are sinful. So the question is, it like, is your heart sinful before the Lord? Well, of course it is. We have, we have these twisted hearts. Like, that's why we need Jesus. We need to be saved so our hearts are renewed, made new again, like set free from the sin that's in us. Yeah, well, your heart's sinful, but there's a difference between having a heart that has a tendency towards sin and having a heart that, that you've allowed sin to take root. Where, where sin has had, had an opportunity to, to build and normalize in your heart, and all of a sudden, sin has is not just kind of come through your heart, had, had a, but it's, it's taken root. It kind of works like kudzu. You know kudzu? Kudzu's that vine that isn't supposed to be like around here or whatever, and once it takes root, it just takes over everything. It'll climb trees, it'll just like absorb a, a, the forest. I mean, it just eats everything. That's the way sin your heart where it takes root and it starts to wrap around your heart and all of a sudden your heart's being choked out because sin has so deeply invaded a heart that's supposed to be pure before the Lord. Maybe you're a Christian in the room tonight and, and, and there was a point when you said, Jesus, I want to trust you with my life. I want to follow you with all my heart. But then some sin crept in through some area and it's always different areas. And that sin took root and now it's wrapped around your heart in such a way that when you try to connect with God, when you try to come into a place like this and you try to worship, that sin still comes up in your mind. You're saying, but no, 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 no. I, this, all this when you go back home. Your sin's taking root. The way that works is that like, at least in my life, when sin takes root in my heart, it, it weighs my heart down where I can't really give it over because it's so entangled in all of this terrible, and I'm trying to, I just, you can't. You'll seek me and find me and seek me with all your heart. Maybe you can't give all your heart because it's so wrapped up in sin. So maybe tonight, beginning of the weekend, just night one, the way that, that, that your starting point, like you just need to stop right now, stop listening to me, and you just need to confess some stuff before the Lord and say, God, yeah, I've, I've, I've let some sin take root in my heart. There's been some stuff going on in me that I don't want anybody else to know about. I, it's it's in, in, I, if I, need to deal with it. If you're a Christian, like, I want to remind you that Jesus paid for all your sin. Jesus only died on the cross one time. And when you trust your life to Jesus, that your sin is forgiven. You don't have to plead with him to forgive you because he's only going to die on the cross once. When you confess your sin before the Lord and set it before him and just leave it at his feet, you can stand up and you can, you can stand before him in the purity and the holiness that he made available to you. You can stand up forgiven if you've been forgiven. And if you're not a Christian in the room, that's another story. Because all of us were at a point before we trusted Jesus where all of our hearts were rooted in sin. Where the stuff is just like, it, it's not fixable. So if you came in tonight, maybe your heart's just weighed down with sin and you're thinking, man, I've never, I've never given my heart to Jesus in the first place. Jesus hadn't forgiven me of nothing. I'm here, I'm, I'm, I like to be around church, but I've never asked Jesus to do anything. I never asked him to forgive me. That's why your heart's weighed down. That's why your effort to be better and better just never works. God's never set you free. So maybe your heart's distracted, maybe your heart is sinful, and then maybe it's distant. 
You know, Matthew, Matthew 5, 8, uh, 15, 8 says this, this talks about Israel, it says this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Isn't that a heartbreaking thing for God to say about a people? Isn't that a heartbreaking thing for God to have to say about a people, that they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me? This is what happens when you, maybe you come into this place, like, and we're singing these songs, or even looking into the word, or maybe you're in a small group, and then somebody asks you a question, you know the right answer, like Jesus or something, and but, and but it's just words. It's just words. And your heart is somewhere else. Your heart's far off. Your heart's entangled in sin. Your heart's distracted. Your heart's just far away from him, and God feels like a memory. This, this, this passage, this is, this is an issue of apathy. This, that's really what this comes down to. Those people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's an issue of apathy. You know, apathy is the moment when you're watching Netflix and, uh, and, and you've gotten under that, that one really good blanket at your house. You know, the one that's, that's heavy, but it's not too hot. It's like a magic blanket. You know, I have the, mine's, mine's like blue-gray. I love that Jessica and I fight over it. It's a little bit too short, though. We could get a longer one, we'd be good. So, so I, this moment when you, you're watching Netflix or something and you've you're been watching you know, one show and it's just doing that thing where it just plays the next one, right? And maybe eventually you want to switch to a different show, but you look around the room to figure out where the remote is and the remote's like, eh, it's over there somewhere. And you stare at the remote for a second. You ponder things in your mind. You stare at the remote, you stare at your blanket. And then that TV show you're tired of watching doesn't seem so bad anymore. Maybe you can just watch one more, right? I just watch one more. It's fine. And you don't, you don't move because you're just like, I'm so comfortable under this beautiful blanket that I'm just going to let things be. I'm not going to get up and do anything about it because I'm so comfortable under my apathy blanket. I just like it under here. It's not worth the effort to do anything about it. We totally get like that poor guy. We know there's a problem. We know there's a distance. We know there's something to be done, but we're so comfortable under our app blanket that we're just like, I don't know. That feels like a lot of work. We say the right things before him, but our heart is far from him. And when we allow that to continue to exist, that's apathy. When we see that there's a distance between us and God, and our, our, we're saying the right things, we're in the right place, but we know we're far from God, and we don't choose to make the decision to get up out of our seat, get out of our apathy blanket, and do something about it, what does that say? I think, I mean, apathy's, it's just not caring. It's not caring enough to do something about it. You know, all, all my best friends, except a few, um, live in... Uh, other cities. I've got some best friends down in Tuscaloosa and Birmingham, got some up north, got some over in Texas. I got, you know, friends, right? And being an adult means that you don't have all your friends and all your classes with you. And it's sad. <laughs> but me and, me and my friends usually do a pretty good job of keeping up with each other. We'll call each other and we'll talk, we'll catch up on how things are going. But sometimes, you know, it gets busy, like you have a baby or something or just stuff is hard. And so we sometimes don't keep up as well as we should. And a weekly call turns into a monthly call, and that turns into a call once in a while. And there comes this moment, right, where, where you know, like I know that, there's, there's a distance that's starting to exist in this relationship that, with this one of my friends. And, I, and I, if, if I choose, the moment that I choose not to call, 
when I have an opportunity, when I have time, and I, I know I've got time, I know I can pick up the phone, I know I could make the call, but it just feels like too much work. What does that say? What does that say about that relationship? What I'm saying is that that relationship in that moment is not worth the effort for me to move forward at all. That that person that I'm in that relationship with is not worth enough to me in that moment for me to make any movement toward If we get to a point of apathy in a relationship with God where we allow ourselves to say all these things with our lips and allow our heart to stay far from God, what are we saying about our relationship with God in that moment? What we're saying is that God in that moment is not worth you getting out of your apathy blanket and moving towards him. He's not worth your effort. If you came in and your heart is distant, I'm gonna ask you, is God worth your effort this weekend? Is God worth the effort for you to break out of that, 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 that fog, that spiritual fog that just lands on you and just shake out of it and can move toward him? Is, it, is he worth the effort? Because he's promised that if you make the effort, it will pay off. He's promised you will, if you, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He's promised that. Is it worth the effort to you tonight? Do you want to know him? Do you want to find him? Is it worth the effort to cover the distance? Stop just sitting there. Letting another moment pass you by. What's the condition of your heart before God tonight? Distracted, sinful, distant. Yeah, probably. The harder question is this is do you want to do anything about it? Do you really want to do anything about that? Are you just comfortable right where you are? I don't think you are. I don't think you're comfortable right where you are. I think that you want to move forward. I think that's why you're here. I think most of you came to this point, this, came to this retreat because you want to move forward. You want to reconnect with the Lord. You don't want to allow this, this distractions, the sin, or the distance to keep you from him. You want to seek and you want to find and you will when you seek him with all your heart. So this, this weekend, let's, let's agree to do this. Let's agree to, to, to set down the distractions, those other treasures. Let's agree to set those down. Let's confess whatever sin is in our hearts. Let's like lay it at Jesus' feet and be done with it tonight so that tomorrow we can continue to move forward. We can, we can set down the weight that's slowing us down and we can move forward with pure hearts. Let's agree to, to get out of our apathy blanket and do something about the distance. If you're tired of the distance. So listen. Maybe... Um, I don't know you. I mean, I don't know a lot of you. I mean, I, I've, I've, got, I've had the privilege of getting some conversations with some of you, but not all of you. So I, I, there's a lot of you in the room that you don't know me and I don't know you. Maybe we'll get to, you know, raft together tomorrow and we'll be best buds. But, but here, here, here's, here's the bottom line on this, man. Like, if you came in here tonight, not really thinking about the condition of your heart, you just kind of came to have a good time, are you aware of the condition of your heart now? God knows your heart completely. He's the one who tests your heart. He knows it. Do you know the condition of your heart now? What's the condition of your heart? Is it devoted? Are you seeking with all your heart? Or is there some stuff in the way? Do this for me. If you bow your head and close your eyes, just I, I want you to have a minute to think. Maybe you're, maybe you're here tonight, and, and man, there's something in you 
that this idea of seeking and finding is, um, feels urgent to you. Where you want to seek and you want to find whether this God really is there or not. If you can really know. Here's what I want you to know. You and I and God, we, you, we know your heart has been far from God. But if you seek him, you'll find him. Because he came for you first. Listen, if, if you're not a Christian in the room, I, I, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to know this. I, I want you to know that Jesus, he, he came and he died to forgive your sinful heart. To make it new again. He came and he died and he rose again because he loves you and didn't want to leave you in that condition. He wanted you to be able to find him as you seek him with all your heart. Like this Jesus, he loves you enough to die for you. And if you give your heart to him, for the first time, if you give your heart to him, turn away from your own way and follow him, you can be saved from your sin and its consequences forever. You can know this God that you've been seeking. You know, Romans, Romans 10, 9, I just want to just, just listen to the beauty of these words. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. Saved from your sin. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, just believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Just gut level honest, man. Have you ever given him your heart? Can you, as you sit there with your head bowed and eyes closed, can you remember a moment when you gave Jesus your heart and said, Jesus, I want to be saved from my sin. I want to follow you with my life. Have you ever done that? Not have you parked the car in the parking lot and taken a nap in the back seat. Like, have you been, have you given him your heart? And if you haven't, are you ready? Right there where you sit, are you, are you, are you ready? To turn from your sin and follow after God with your whole heart? Are you ready to seek him and find him as you seek him with your whole heart? Do you want to do that for the first time tonight? Is there something inside of you that's drawing you toward this guy? That you want to find him? Why wait? Why let apathy win again? Why let fear win again? Why wait? So right now, just all over the room, man, I don't know you, you don't know me. Maybe we do. Maybe we've known each other for years. But right now, if, if, if you have never trusted Jesus, and you want to, if you want to be saved from your sin, this is what I want you to do. There's nobody looking around. I just want you to put your hand right up in the air as a sign to you, a sign to me, and most importantly, a sign to God. I want to seek and I want to find. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Why wait? Why let apathy win again? Why let fear win again? Amen. You can put your hands down.
those of you in the room who, who are Christians, and there's been a point sometime in the past when you trusted Jesus, and you know that. But things have been a mess since then. Has your heart been distracted? Has it been weighed down by sin? Has it been distant? Yeah. And everybody in the room, it has. The real question is this. This weekend, are you ready to do something about it? Are you tired of just sitting there letting another opportunity pass by? Are you tired of the distance? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm tired of the distance. I really am. I'm tired of the distance. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to have a heart that's weighed down with sin. I don't want to be distant from the Lord anymore. And I don't think you do either. So if you are ready to get out of your seat and actually do something to cover the distance, to say to yourself, to say to the room, to say to God, I'm in. I want to, I want to bring all of my heart to this. I want to seek and I want to find out because I want to seek with all my heart this weekend. Would you just stand? This is a sign to yourself, a sign to the Lord. Would you just stand right where you're at? Knowing your heart's been distant, knowing you're tired of it, saying, all right, I'm, I'm going to do something about this now. I'm not going to sit under my apathy blanket. I'm tired of it. God, this weekend I want to seek and I want to find because I'm going to seek with all my heart. Amen. Amen. Father, my prayer is that you would, you would show us treasure that you are, that we would treasure you above all things so that our hearts wouldn't be distracted. I pray that you would, you would allow us, you would, you would, you would give us um, your grace to cover all the sin that's been taking root in our heart, that's been weighing our heart down before you. God, forgive us. Wipe us clean as only you can forgive us. And God, help us to cover the distance. God, help us not to be okay with, with honoring you with our lips, but allowing our hearts to be far from you. Don't let us be distant, God. seek you, show yourself to be faithful. Now listen, if, 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 you're, in, if you're one of those three or four or five people um, who raised your hand tonight, I want you to know that, that me and your adult leaders, man, we, we want to be able to talk with you and make sure your questions are answered, that you can know, that you can know that you know Jesus. So sometime tonight, you can do it right now. You can do it here in small group. You can come find me right after the service is over. Sometime tonight, talk with me or an adult leader. Because I saw you. I'm going to ask you. I don't want to come find you. I want you to, I want you to make a beeline at an adult that you trust and say, hey, can we talk? Probably the best time for you to do that is right now as our band leads us.